Danny Ricardo gives the crappy news outlet something to shut up about. DR takes his first front row since Mexico 2018 and Danny helps McLaren start second and third, the highest start for them since Brazil 2012. Yes, hello, welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast, otherwise known as We Bloody Told You Danny Was Good Enough. I wish you'd bloody believed us. On this episode, we're going to review and talk about the sprint race, which was the qualifying ahead of the actual race, which is tomorrow. And I'm joined by my friends and yours too, Thomas's Tommy T, Thomas J Camp. Lads, hello to you. Tommy T first, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, boys? I'm good. Campy, how are you doing, mate? Uh, good. Severely hungover. ST <laughs> ruggling at the moment. That's what I would call what I'm doing, but yeah, no. ST ruggling. ST ruggling, yep. <laughs> Put that on some more merch as well. Oh, uh, well, boys, as I said, Daniel Ricardo. Um, aside from the fact that Tommy T can't spell his last name on our Instagram. Uh, Horrible speller. We, Horrible. <laughs> At least you don't write all the copy for most of this stuff. Oh, wait. It's true. Oh, wait. Uh, so happy. Like, I just genuinely so happy for him. So much Italian joy and love on that, uh, well, not podium. It was kind of this weird sort of semi-raised bit thing. of the, the track. Uh, but before we talk about the sprint qualifying race, we, no one's still decided what it's called yet, by the way. Um, there's been heaps happening. But before that, if you're watching us on YouTube, it's great to have your company. Thank you. And if you're listening to us uh, as well, wherever you listen to podcasts, thank you very much for not only subscribing, but also leaving ratings and reviews. There has been stacks recently. Uh, we genuinely love it from Sweden, from the UK, from Ireland, from Australia, from the US, Canada. So, so good. Uh, and we're still chasing those uh, 1,000 subscriptions on YouTube. We're getting a lot closer. So thank you to you if you've done that in the last couple of days too. Lads, literally just as we finished recording the podcast for on Monday, Valtteri, like 45 seconds later, Valtteri Bottas was announced to go to Alfa Romeo, <laughs> which is the, the most lakeside drive thing to happen, I think. Campy, let's, let's start though with the proper start, which is Kimi retiring because we haven't yet properly had a conversation around his sort of success, what it meant for him to go away and come back to the sport and, and of course, for this year? Oh, look, genuinely one of the most naturally talented drivers I think we've ever seen on the grid. Uh, came into F1, a bit like Lewis Hamilton, who is this young, fast kid that no one's heard of before. Uh, set the world a lot. Uh, uh, got, the, you know, got his world championship with Ferrari, but did some amazing things in that McLaren earlier as well. Uh, got a bit disenfranchised with the sport for a while and uh, decided to move on and try other things after his world championship. And it didn't really, like, he tried rally, he tried NASCAR and tried IndyCar and it didn't really come off for him, anything he really tried to do. Um, then came back, came back with Lotus and Lotus was a really strong team in that in that, yeah. uh, in that Red Bull era. And particularly, uh, I think it was like, 12 and 13, I think uh, Lotus was consistently on the podium with him and Grosjean as teammates. He got a couple of wins in that team too, but that was enough for Ferrari to say, all right, this guy's still got it. Let's get him back in. And, uh, and yeah, you know, he didn't have four or five amazing years with Seb Vettel uh, at Ferrari, but he had, you know, he had the consistency that Ferrari was looking for. Uh, Seb was the number one driver and, um, 
And that's really defined his career. He dropped back to Alfa Romeo and his first year in Alfa Romeo after going back from uh, from Ferrari. The first half, it was spectacular. But unfortunately, the development on that class sort of ceased to halt, uh, halted. And uh, we've seen him sort of being a bit of a bit of a backmarker, which is not what we want to see for Kimmy. He's well-loved around the world. He's got this blasé attitude about everything, the way he goes about it. Mr. Iceman, cool, calm and collected. He's got some of the funniest radio conversations. <laughs> Shut up, I know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> just quality to listen to. He's, he's the most liked man on the grid. He's done yeah. a lot for this sport. Um, I think it's easier to keep him around than not, but is that, why would you want to come racing in that Alpha in 2022? Um, he's given a lot. Uh, superstar, wish him all the best. Uh, him and his family with uh, is it Mintu and uh, two kids as Rob well, Ann, Robin and uh, Rob N and someone else. I can't remember. You, but. You're doing very well, Terrell. I would have absolutely no idea. Campy hungover, Campy still knows Kimi Raikkonen's or at least one of his children's names, which is <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, Look, excellent career. Sad to see him go. Yeah. I would have loved to see him in Melbourne one more time. But hey, that's For the sure. breaks at the moment. And, uh, yeah, yeah. All and the we, best to him, and we wish him well getting. Recovering from COVID, which he's he's still out for at the moment. Yeah, um, he'll be so fine. All the best. It'll be interesting him. to see what he does with himself next year. I mean, as you said, Campy, like he obviously went and did the rally thing, and that wasn't necessarily super successful for him. But he doesn't have a lot to prove, does he? He's got a world championship under his belt. He returned to the sport and won a race. I don't think anyone's ever gone away from the sport, returned to the sport, won races as well, uh, and then go to Ferrari. I mean, the, he is the last world champion for Ferrari. That's like just let that yeah. process. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous when you think. Uh, anyway, I, think, I, I was, think it's. I think the first year we did this podcast um, and there was no COVID, they did a special uh, on Italian F one, and uh, they had all the previous, the past, and present for uh, Ferrari drivers um, getting their suits and go to one of the squares in Italy, and and uh, I still remember. Kimi Rockin is still the most loved ex or current Ferrari driver out of anyone on the grid. And the crowd was astronomically lot, large. And he got the biggest cheer by far in, in that small glimpse we got. So I just think that speaks to the character and how much he is really universally loved. So Yeah, he's, uh, he's a good guy and we are going to miss him. Uh, at least we'll get uh, to see him hopefully uh, in the next couple of races. Well, of course, with that... We know that Valtteri Bottas is now stepping to Sauber Alfa Romeo. Tommy T, your thoughts on what this is for him and whether it was a good move. Finn for a Finn. Um, <laughs> just straight swap. There can only is be that one. the third Nemo movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I, I don't Nemo. know. What? <laughs> you knew it. I knew it. I was waiting. <laughs> so I had a go at you while we bloody drinking. Maybe does Come pop culture on. again. Jeez. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Um, now that Alpha's a bit un out from under the thumb of Ferrari, it might be different. But while they were the very, very junior team, you couldn't really see much of a future at all that car being much more competitive than it is. But it could be better. I think we've talked about it and Williams would have been a nice kind of full circle. They look like their development's coming forward. But to be honest, I wonder if Valtteri just wants to get out of that Mercedes kind of area and pave, pave his own way and kind of be out from the Mercedes thumb, I guess. So... Glad that he's still in the sport. Love the guy. Um, and 
really hope that he can do some good stuff in that car next year. Yeah, I'm I'm glad he's staying. Um, I think probably the the weight now of what he's known and for however long he's known it is is finally lifted, which is why we've seen a good result for him this weekend. Yeah. But Camby, let me ask you this or put this to you. If he had decided to leave Mercedes last year, he would have had a hell of a lot more options to him, specifically one Red Bull seat. And I think Christian Horner and Helmut Marco noting that they ended up taking Sergio Perez uh, because he didn't have a seat and because of his uh, pedigree, I suppose, in the sport, that Valtteri would have been a better option for them. Do you think it's almost unfortunate that, and I know it's uh, hindsight's a wonderful thing, right? What, is, what does Scotty from marketing say? The heroes of hindsight. But hindsight's <laughs> a wonderful thing. He was he had to try and get out of the gate very early this year to try and get catch that championship. We now know, of course, that's not a thing. Do you think... Looking back, he should have gone and he might have ended up in that Red Bull seat for this year? Uh, Look, I think Red Bull still shouldn't have signed Sergio Perez as early as they did. Um, I'm looking at Perez's results and I just don't think he's cutting it. I think Bottas is the first perfect fit for a Red Bull. But in hindsight... You'd never make that decision as Valtteri Bottas, I don't think. Mm. I just don't think you can. You're in the top team. They've won how many championships on the trot? Six or seven now. And you're not going to leave that team to go to the go somewhere else. It's just uh it's just unbelievable. Although I do think Mercedes have an issue here with Bottas. What happens this year and the rest of the year? We saw his drive last night. You know, and he's genuinely got the pace to win, win this Grand Prix and take points off Lewis Hamilton and continue to do it. But my frustration with Mercedes, the way they handled Valtteri, is they never gave him a two-year contract. It was always mm-hmm. one. He's always mm-hmm. driving for his life and driving his career. Um, I don't think they showed him any loyalty, really. They always had the idea that we're going to move him on at some stage, and it just meant that in the first half of the year when discussions about the next season start to happen – there was no one better for Mercedes to pick up until now. and I, mm. I, That would be the only thing that Mercedes has done throughout this whole, you know, turbo hybrid year that would make me suggest that that they haven't handled it correctly or in the best way they possibly could have. So, Yeah, no good. Uh, quick shout-out to our YouTube live stream, Ashley, Raf, Daniela, Haley. hello, good morning to you or evening wherever you are. In the world, yeah, certainly it's it's an interesting point. And I've I was speaking to another friend of mine about what it could have been for Valtteri from last year, but I mean, it has to be said that 2022 brings new uh, new uh, regulations, sorry, and new cars. And Kubica, who's driving this weekend, got his first podium in a Sauber. It was powered by BMW, but. I guess my point is every every kind of iteration in Formula One has seen a dominant team fall away. Mm. Uh, Ferrari's it was then Red Bull, and now it's potentially going to be Mercedes. And if we have something like 2012, where there was like six different winners, I believe in the first six races, or 2009, where okay, there's a random team that like Jensen Button, you know, took the first couple of races. We spoke about this last weekend, Campy, but the challenge came towards the end of the season. 
Sauber could be doing that. Alpine could be doing that. McLaren could mm. be doing that. Williams could be doing that. Well, like we literally just don't know. And this, we'll talk about Oscar Piastri in, in a little bit, but that kind of feeds into my thoughts about Oscar's potential seat for next year and whether or not it's better for him staying in F2 for another year. Uh, anyway, I, it's an interesting it's an interesting conundrum, but there is, there is every poss- possibility, I suppose, of Ferrari-powered cars just being more competitive than Mercedes-powered cars next year. We we won't know until we get there. Um, but I'm glad to see Bottas happy, can I just say, because mm. it's the first time I've seen him smiling on the grid. Uh, his race engineer sounded very good on the radio. I'm very happy for him rather than... Because he's also under the thumb too, right, from Mercedes. Oh, his engineer sure. on the radio f- is being hamstrung at every every turn. Yep. Um, all right. Well, that obviously means that George is going to Mercedes, which is the worst-kept secret in Formula 1, campy. What are, what are your whole thoughts on the double British lineup for a German team? Uh, yep. Good. <laughs> good, on, good on George. Yep. What do you want me to say? Oh, we've been speculating and talking <laughs> about this for ages and it's the world's worst kept secret. That's where he's going. So, uh, look, George will go in there and he's the future of that team. Unfortunately, the way that Mercedes will be looking at this as an organisation is Lewis has passed his best. He's still got some fight in him. It's a bit like Cristiano Ronaldo going back to his first club at 36 and scoring <laughs> two goals on debut for them again. You know, I think, uh, look, Lewis has still got a lot to offer that team, but mm. I think George is going to grab it by the horns and take direction of it. And that's what Mercedes want him to do. Uh, and I think we're going to see a hell of a lot of tension there. I think we're going to there'll be a passing of the guard at some stage. If we're not seeing the passing of the guard this year, you know, mm-hmm. it happens when greats end their career and, you know, Lewis will never pass Max Verstappen again. He's still got some fight, but, you know, we may be witnessing that at the moment. We go into the Max Verstappen era of absolute domination. Um, but who knows? We'll, we will, we'll see what happens. But George Russell, uh, good on him. Congratulations. Now we get to see what he's made of. Now we get to really assess how good he is and whether this talk that the British media has talked up about how good he is, maybe there's smoke in it and he's just crap. Or, But we get to have a genuine look at how good he is. So. What do you think, Tommy T? Because it was the everyone, including F1 social channels, oh. were just overdoing it. I it mean, was very, very sickening. You might be surprised, but we follow a fair few meme pages on the uh, the old Lakeside Drive Instagram, and I was so sick of seeing <laughs> fake George Russell do this, and like it was constant to the fact that F one had to actually change their format yes. of releasing a new driver <laughs> so they could trick people into actually saying, "Oh, this is real." This one, yeah. Um, I'm, ex- <laughs> I'm excited for the on track side of it. I'm really not excited for the off track side of it to see those two out humble each other about how much they love the sp- support <laughs> and the garage and just. I just find some of the Shut way up. that those two guys talk about those things very fake, whereas you, someone like Daniel or Kimmy or Valtteri, are just straight up mm. and just give you real stuff. These guys are so polished and I don't want to watch this polished crap. I want to hear real raw stuff, which you sometimes get out of Lewis when he's frustrated and mm. maybe we might see that. But I, I, I would put money on we're going to see two bloody polished guys being super boring and we're only going to see that because it's double British. Because that's yeah. all we get. So that side, no thanks. Give me the on-track battles because that is going to be exciting. Yeah, I think you're both right. Like George is going to push hard. He's he's not in around to make friends. He's there to win world championships. Uh, and look, who knows, if he does win a world championship next year, what does that mean for Lewis? Does Lewis bother staying around for the, his intended time? Like it just it throws in more jeopardy, I suppose, 
to use your term, Tommy T, which is good for the sport. Big time. And, and hopefully it's good for teammates as well. Um, the, the best news, I think, that came out of all of that, though, and I was actually surprised that Williams announced this so quickly, it was Alex Albon to Williams, uh, meaning and confirming that it is going to be the nicest <laughs> grid on the team. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Latifi. Alex Albon, uh, of course, they were teammates uh, in F2, I believe, uh, back in 2018. Um, so they've got history together. Look, Alex Albon, I'm very happy. Out of all the choices that they could have, have put in, apart from Oscar, I think he's the right person because he really got screwed around by Red Bull. Yep. He never really got an opportunity to show himself in the Toro Rosso for a full 12 months. I think he did a great job in those first six, which is why he was promoted to the Red Bull team and we know what happened there. But it just goes to show that you can be in Formula One, take a year out, do DTM, get your head around that sort of mm-hmm. a completely different type of racing yep. uh, and then still be valuable to someone in an organization such as Williams. So yep. hats off to Jos Capito and also to Red Bull for actually getting that done quickly because they were very politically motivated here. Mercedes were trying to intervene and they don't have any skin in the game anymore. You you know, Toto doesn't have any control over Williams. Yes, they buy the power unit, but they're not a Mercedes feeder team anymore. That's what they're saying. No, Toto, we're growing up. We're our own team now. We've got big plans for 2022. He's just been driving the F, uh, F, sorry, the 2022 Red Bull Formula One car in the simulator, no doubt, as the reserve and test driver. So he's going to bring all of this knowledge with him and the Red Bull knowledge into the Williams factory. I think it's very smart. Can Mm -hmm. he? Yeah, look, I think good move for Williams. I think uh, Doralton Capital, the owner of that organisation, said, well, hang on a minute, we're an independent race team. We don't want our factory race team in Mercedes having any jurisdiction and control over what we do, which I like. Puts Mercedes in a tricky spot because they don't have a feeder team. They've got that. You look at the teams they supply engines to: McLaren, Aston Martin, and Williams, and they are all independent race mm. teams. They are not feeder teams. I mean, they've got great relationships with Mercedes off track, definitely. But now Mercedes don't have an organisation underneath them in which they can feed their junior talent into. Uh, they're a bit like Renault; they're in no man's land, really. Yeah. I mean, Red Bull and and Ferrari have pathways, but uh, Mercedes doesn't anymore. Renault was on the outer. But uh, anyway, look, uh, yeah, good for Albon. I I think he deserves a spot on the grid. Yeah. Um, I think what he's done in DTM this year, he is valuable. I I, I think in hindsight, even looking at Perez this year, we've got to – I've got to sort of reassess – my thinking when it comes to Gasly, Albon, and uh, what? Oh. Are you okay? Well, hungover oh. camp is different. Well, Does hungover camp acknowledge oh. the bin? <laughs> Just go oh, asking yeah. for a friend. because he's, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's in the bin himself, so he's seeing everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> he's looking around. <laughs> now nah, look, get over here, Albon. I'm, I'm love to be proved wrong. It's good. Yes, you can do it. No. Unlock our dickhead politicians. <laughs> Fuck that, Couldn't help yourself. But we no, forget. Couldn't. Um, we, we forget that Albon was actually ha- was on for a few potential podiums and potential wins. When I remember, like Brazil, when Lewis punted him oh, off on like yeah, second things like that. We've had twice. It was Hamilton as well, ring. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So yep. so close he was, and it seemed like towards the end of his Red Bull career, he got the yips, and he just could not put it together. He was second guessing everything, and he was in his own head, and there was something kind of mental happening rather than yeah. 
his skill. Yeah. So hopefully this little break has been enough for him because we know he, when he's right, he's really good and he's showed great talent coming mm. through in that Alpha Terry when it was a Toro Rosso. So good luck. Yeah. I hope Nick Latifi is going to be a good teammate for him. I think that's a good comparison and hopefully we can see one of them shine and that's kind of what we want to see them move up into another team eventually. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, he literally has no pressure on him to perform in this Williams, which is the ideal situation for someone like Alex who has been fighting at the front of the grid. Uh, and you're absolutely right. Nick Latifi is going to be consistent. Campy, we spoke about it last weekend yep. that you think if if Williams start getting their life together towards the front of the grid, and don't forget, they're going to have the most time in a wind tunnel out of every team. Uh, or maybe second to Haas. But either way, mm. we, we are going to see, I think we're going to see a significant change of the guard and it's going to be around that midfield pack and hopefully McLaren, your Williams and your Alpines are going to be the ones that come out on top, you know, throwing well back, you know, it's old school F1 where drivers like Fernando Alonso have an opportunity to win the world championship. Just think about that for a moment. Yeah. Imagine Fernando Alonso winning his third world championship in 2022 after leaving the sport. Again, just like Alex Albon has an ability to come back. Again, we don't know. But because there's no pressure for Albon, he's going to perform better and yep. we know how well he can do. And Latifi's either going to be better than him or supporting him. Either way, it doesn't matter. I'm happy for both of them. I'm happy for that team. Um, I think Jos Capito is doing a great job. Uh, he's just genuinely excited yeah. to be on the pit wall. He's genuinely happy all the time. Um, I said a couple of weekends ago, I'm not going to bother learning his name because they're going to change team principles again. I hope they don't change him because Yost, I think, is doing a wonderful job. Okay, well, that only leaves then one seat unconfirmed, apart from Lance Stroll's seat, which, of course, will be confirmed because Daddy Dud Stroll. But yep. who goes to the, the second Alfa Romeo seat? Now, I'll throw some names out there as to who has been linked, inverted commas. Oscar's been linked, Oscar Piastri from F2. Uh, Guan Yu Zhou's been linked from F2, also Alpine Academy, with alleged 30 million euros bringing along to the team. You've got Nick DeVries, who uh, obviously Tommy will love because he's Dutch, but coming from World Championship at Once Formula enough. E. And Italian Jesus, of course, is still there as well. There's outside shots like Schwartzman and other Ferrari juniors, but I think Tommy T, you mentioned it before, Ferrari have lost the impact of that second seat. They're going to focus all of their attention on Haas um, where, you know, the cost cap that has come in, half the Ferrari mechanics are now wearing Haas t-shirts in yeah. the same factory. So yeah. Oh, that's and I think gonna... the, the, uh, the Haas wind tunnel time might accidentally be used by Ferrari. Let's <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> I mean, they're going to happen. Allegedly, it will happen. So Tommy T, who do you think? Who do you think is, is the strongest at this point to, to go? Because I've... also, let me also say, sorry, Fred Vasseur said he's in no rush. I think Italian Jesus is doing enough, to be honest. I don't think any of those have shown enough to put themselves on the level. And it'd be nice to see Italian Jesus versus someone like Valtteri. Not that Kimi wasn't excellent, but Valtteri is still in his prime and doing really well. It'd be good to put him up against kind of a more current star than um, someone towards the end. So I think Italian Jesus has done fine. He's qualified well the last two races. Let's see how he goes today uh, at Monza tonight. Um I wouldn't. I wouldn't be getting rid of him. He hasn't done anything to ditch him out of Formula One. That's for sure. Campy. 
Interesting. I really don't have a take on it. I can, I can sit on the fence and be Switzerland today. <laughs> Giovinazzi's performed well against Kimi and he's looking good, but Kimi's on the back end of his career, but it's taken him three years to do it. Uh, this is the third year, third year that they're racing. I think it's his fourth year in F1 and he's getting some good results, uh, but he's in a peculiar position. He's not – I know he's a red uh, Ferrari junior driver in that program, but – He's not getting a drive before Leclerc and Carlos going, and I don't see those two going anywhere for the next three to four years, no. which means he's in a he's in an interesting predicament. I think the only thing going for him is he's a paid driver at the moment. Um, he brings a lot of money. I think it was rumoured to be about $22 million. So that says to me they'll probably want to keep a driver that's paying. They've only got to come up with $100 million to go racing every year as opposed to the one you know, 130 that they need or the caps at. Uh, I don't think you'd take Juan Joe over particularly the way Oscar Piastri is performing mm. this year. Um, I mean, money talks, bullshit walks, but who knows? I, I just can't see you taking Juan Joe. No. He's, he's been in that category for yeah. three years now and he still hasn't won a championship. He's fighting for it this year and he showed glimpses of being really good, but yep. – I mean, anyone with three years in a seat should be able to prove what you can do. Just because you've got money doesn't determine whether the sport, whether you get a drive in the sport. Mm. Uh, It does for some kids, but, I mean, there are exceptions to the rule. Uh, I think you just hang on to Giovinazzi for another year. Or if Piastri wins the championship, take a punt. And then you've got Piastri, Valtteri, Bottas, Lina. All Australian line. That just... just, That sets the tone. That sets the tone for Piastri in his career straight away. It's like he's going to be driving against Valtteri. He'll get a year to adapt, grow, and learn. But we know what Valtteri is like as a team player. He will. He will. He will show him the ropes, um, teach him a hell of a lot. Mm. And Piastri will just absorb it like a sponge and learn a heap off him. And uh, yeah, sure. could be a quite a good mentorship moving forward. So, yeah, uh, if that happens, we should put Valtteri on the bottom of the legends tier. I think as well. Yeah, <laughs> just update um, to another Australian. Yeah. Yes, very good point. Yeah, look, I think, I mean, for Oscar's point of view, let's talk about him because he's also had a pretty good weekend. He's still leading the F two championship. And can I just say F two racing? Oh, chef's kiss. Honestly, <laughs> so good. Tio Porcher, it just went full Hamilton over uh, the first sprint race um, because he just absolutely sent it. I mean, in the one of the, the following one, he didn't have such a good outing, but because there's so many different drivers and the cars are fairly similar, you get to see talent shine through, and mm. sometimes some talents better than others. And I honestly, I just really enjoyed watching it. But Oscar's performance, I think, especially against Guan Yu Zhou and uh, Porcher and Schwartzman and others. He seems to be on another level in in my mind. He seems to be doing the George Russell, carrying that momentum, the Charlotte Leclerc, carrying that momentum from Formula 3 into Formula 2. And I, I think it probably would be a waste for him to not carry that then into Formula 1. Yeah. However, comma, <laughs> uh, is Sauber the right place to go? Uh, the answer is, well, if it's the only seat, then yes. The other, the other problem we've got, though, is he's an Alpine driver you know, with a Renault contract. And we know how useless they are at doing anything for any of their drivers. Because they don't have a junior team, effectively they've only got two seats in Formula 1 for them. Ocon's been signed to about 2047 mm-hmm. and Alonso's going to keep 
you know, extending each each year for another year because they'll just give him the contract if he wants it. Mm. So for my mind, Williams would have been a good seat if if Albon wasn't didn't go into that seat. Piastri could have gone there. Maybe Williams would have switched engine suppliers to Renault. You know, we could have we could have I seen a count shift. Out that Sauber way. doing it though. Well, Sauber's owned by you know Ferrari Group, the Chrysler. Like mm. you know, it's all the same yeah. the same group. So it's uh, very unlikely that that's going to yeah. happen unless Sauber were to ditch Alfa Romeo as their chief you know partner mm. and go back out on their own, which potentially they could. You know, who knows? It's an interesting sport. But yeah. for Oscar Campy, you and I have spoken offline about this as well. If he doesn't get the Alfa Romeo seat and he wins Formula 2 this year, it means he's without a formula drive for, for 2022. What does he do and then what does 23 look like for him? Uh, I think he needs to – if he wins F3 this uh, F2 this year, Renault and he doesn't have a seat full-time next year, Renault have to give him every test, get him yep. in the car – as much as they possibly can. They need to get him into the car for FP1 sessions, you know, for half the race weekends every year uh, for for the calendar. You know, he needs to be consistently driving a, driving a car, you know, even if it's once a month or twice a month. But he needs to be doing it. Even if it's for an hour, he just needs to keep those skills up and be, be in it. Does he go to another formula? Do they go and put him in DTM or a Formula E or maybe even IndyCar for the year? Or Super Formula in Japan? Well, mm. something. They, he needs to do something, but Alpine need to give him a big bone if he wins it this year. What, what's the point in having a junior driver academy and you got a guy that, you know, wins, that good? Yeah. Uh, wins Formula 4, you know, the Formula 4 European Championship, F3, F2, three on years on the trot. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and then you're not giving him the bone. There's no other driver's ever done those three championships in a row. We've had F2 and F3 uh, consecutive winners, George Russell and uh, Leclerc, Hamilton and Rosberg, I think Hulkenberg as well. Um, I mean, the kid's got some genuine talent and he put it on pole this weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, the feature races have reverse grids, so it's hard to get a gauge of, yeah, you get Deruvula and Theo Porcher that that walk away with these races. But, you know, they, they... they didn't deserve to qualify there in the first place. Mm. So, I mean, tonight when full points are on offer, mm-hmm. Piastri's on pole. Yep. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if he gets the start and just, See you, later. you know, six seconds, you know, for those 45 He drives laps. off up into the summer, right, doesn't he, Camby? Yeah, into the off summer, into the summer. Yeah. <laughs> so, the Ita- the Italian, it's actually not a dumb, as dumb summer. as it sounds because of the oh. way that the F1 finishes. You drive off into the summer with the championship. He could. Yeah. Wow, he's the supporting Campy. All the right, good. Summer. <laughs> Sorry, Campy. Uh, point break. Point break. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> great movie. Now, that's what I watched as a kid. What a movie. Patrick Swayze at his best. <laughs> Keanu Reeves. I could see Welcome Campy to as a drive movie fan. review podcast to go with our Demons uh, podcast. Anyway. Or parents' yeah. podcast. Yeah, so I think Piastri's – but Alpine have to give him the, the biggest bone they can possibly offer. And they need to talk to someone like Alonso saying, hey, mate, we need you to take one for the team here and we need you to get rid of your P1s, practice one session so that we can get this young guy coming in. Yeah, I think you'd be because okay with that. <laughs> you're time limited in this sport, realistically. You're going to get two or three, two years, three years at the max, in my mm. opinion. Yeah. You've got your shot if it doesn't happen from there. 
walk on into the into the summer and uh, <laughs> and and drive categories until you're sixty until you stop having yep. a passion for motorsport. Yeah, uh, I think that's what will probably happen because for me, Piastri's just got two poles in a row, and he's just driving with a composure and a consistency oh, that we haven't seen. So from, mature. We haven't seen for a couple of years from any F3 or F2 drivers. No. Uh, I mean, Mick Schumacher won last year on consistency. But was he setting the world a lot? Was he setting the track a lot? No. Not really. He was just consistent. He had some pace in that Premac team, and that is the best team and by far the yep. best car on the grid in that formula as well. So, anyway. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's good. Look, for Oscar, there's endless possibilities, right? And as we've said – Taking a year out of Formula One doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing, does it? I mean, it goes and does something else. But for 2023, there's potentially more seats available. The issue is, however, Alpine still are contracted for both of their drivers and they don't have a junior team. So it's up to Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, Mark Webber, who manages him, who is obviously very well connected to pretty much every team on that grid uh, to do the right thing for him. And Mark's obviously made some pretty dud calls in retrospect like the uh not going to Renault when Alonso did yeah. <laughs> could have could have been champion oh, then it still hurts it still hurts me it still hurts him but he's going to use that experience and and grow and mentor Oscar in the best possible way so as far as the, I'm concerned for his management and it's better than like even DR's management you know they manage Cristiano Ronaldo as well they're managing high-profile sports stars. They're not managing the best way into the grid. They look at yeah. figures on a sheet, not a relationship. Sure. And I think that, for me, is the real key for Oscar's success is Mark. Um, and he's got time. He's so young still. He doesn't have he to does. rush anything. He can make he the does. right decision, not the first decision. But if he gets to Alfa Romeo, that's fantastic. Totally. As we've said, because Bottas is going to help him grow. We don't know what that salve is going to look like. And – he plus every single other driver will learn how to drive that car for the first time because Correct. it's a different, you know, Do you idea imagine of him driving. beating Ocon in that Alpha? Of course he will. Obviously. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Be like, shit. Stroll, Mazepin, Ocon immediately in the bin uh, and him taking fourth position for the first couple oh. of Grand Prix. Uh, so does, does, does Stroll get race on just quickly? I mean, how isn't that not? I think that's a given, isn't it? Surely. He'd be the only driver on the grid that's gone four years in a row without beating a teammate. Yeah, but I mean, wow. it must be so nice to not actually care about what you're doing at work. <laughs> just, just ask him that. Uh, Vic Paul. <laughs> <laughs> at least they have a purpose, mate. He just turns up to a weekend and goes, "Well, it doesn't matter if I win or if I crash out. I'm still yeah. getting the drive." Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, no good. All right. Well, let's talk about the actual weekend, shall we? The Italian Grand Prix, the Temple of Speed, allegedly. Um, not allegedly. so great for overtaking. Uh, it's good for speed. But look, practice. Well, look, the whole sprint race weekend completely throws out normal times. Uh, and yep. Tommy T, the times here are not so good, it's are they, to up, watch? Yeah, uh, we good. had practice one at like 10 30. Uh, on Friday night, and I think at around 2, 2.30, we had the actual uh, qualifying for the sprint race. Campy, is that a career? Was that the dumb time that I'm just trying to look at it here? Well, oh, 2 a.m. Saturday morning or Friday night, whatever way you look at it. Yeah. yeah. Just no yeah, good. It was tough. It was tough. I know oh, that man. Formula One are trying to get more people involved and it's after work and all that sort of other stuff. But, I mean, you know, can we stop just focusing on one time zone, guys? There's only Please? one time zone. What do you mean? 
I didn't mind this format the first time they did it, but this weekend, this round, I've just been like, this is so stupid. Yeah. It just means that practice two, yet again, is irrelevant, is it not? Completely irrelevant. Like, what's the point? I didn't watch it. I was like, sweet, I don't have to look at that. Understand race pace, sure. Yeah, fine. But, I mean, from a fan's point of view, a spectator point point. of view, you know, we go one practice session for an hour and then a lot of risk because it's quality – Yep. Traditional format, and then we dip back down on the roller coaster to P two, where Carlos Sainz crashed, and that was unfortunate. But that was really the only thing that happened. But and then we go into high tempo, maximum stress. Daniel Ricciardo on the front row for, but for they're the in race. Park Fermi, so they can't even do anything. No. They're just running around like very mm. conservatively in P two because they're already under those conditions. There's no change that can be made. There's like it is pointless other than like getting a long run in, which we don't really want to see. We want to see people kind of pushing for fastest lap, kind of pace but it's, it's completely pointless because there's no there's nothing they can learn and if they do learn it they can't make a change so yeah can be yeah i don't like it i think it's dumb yeah it was it was a cool exercise the first time around but this weekend i've been like this is stupid what are we doing i just don't understand it in saying that hey danny rick qualified third out qualified lando it's now eight six on the qualifying sheet Danny Rick's bringing it home and Lando just can't adapt to that car, can he? Jeez, the, the, the direction in which that team's going. That little shit Lando, he's, uh, <laughs> he's no good. Uh, well, let's let's talk very quickly about the qualifying, which was Friday. Uh, Bottas taking first. Oh. Hamilton, Verstappen, Lando, Danny Rick, Gasly, Sainz, Leclerc, Perez, Giovinazzi, top 10. Look, Gio having a good weekend again, uh, and I have to apologise to him. For last week, I said that he had a bit of a rubbish uh, time. It wasn't his fault. He had a puncture. My apologies. I didn't realize that was the Uh, case as to why his Dutch performance wasn't so good. Um, But he's come out again and is in the top 10 for for both the results for the actual qualifying for the sprint and then the sprint qualifying result too, which which was really good for him. But let's talk about the lack of Red Bull pace because quite honestly, Campy, I was very surprised, especially in practice one and even for qualifying that, the guys just couldn't get it up there. They were heavily relying on a toe from each other, which is why Perez was so far back. Yep. Is it that Mercedes would just is just naturally suited to this track or are well, they doing a, something slightly different to the Red Bull? It's a power-sensitive track and Mercedes, when it comes to top-end power, is better than most teams. Now, Red Bull has a high downforce philosophy with a big rake on the car, whereas Mercedes has a longer wheelbase and... And and not so much rake on the car, and rake is the angle from the front to the back. It's almost like if you you know it's going down a hill, flat Earth sign right there. I'm a flat <laughs> <earther>. um, <laughs> um, so this track and it's 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 racing qualities obviously suit the Mercedes, but this is the first power sensitive track that we've been to since I can remember this year. Mm. When when was the last power sensitive track that we were actually at? Well, Bahrain's really the only other one that I can think of. That exactly. Has, well, that's very like that's the start and, of the season. And mm. if we follow the traditional grid, most like where Mercedes dominates and gets most of their wins yeah. in the second half of the year, yep. it's on these power sensitive tracks. So it doesn't surprise me that that uh, we go to Monza and and they're good. I mean, they'd be gutted because uh, I think uh, at Spa, I think Spa was one of the tracks where they would have, they had the race pace to dominate Red Bull as well, but mm, yeah. Bahrain, yep. uh, that happened too. So they've missed one there. But, yeah, I, I, look, 
no, there's no dramas about why Red Bull's off the base compared to Mercedes this weekend. It's just track specific, and that's yep. where we're at. And we want to see it, don't we, Tommy T? I mean, this is this is for the championship now. We I almost want you know Max to win one race and then Lewis to win the next race, and we're going to get down to someone's going to win it by 0.5 points. <laughs> And we're all going to hate on the FIA for choosing that dumb decision for points awarded <laughs> at Spa. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's good to see this level of competition. This is the most competition we've seen since, well, before the turbo hybrid era. Big time. No, I think Red Bull is going to have to steal this one because this is not a track that they should be favourites. But Max right now you would think is the favourite with Lewis in fourth and Valtteri nowhere near. So they've, they've got to take this one while they can when you would have thought Merck would have walked away as favourites going into the weekend. So I think it's just going down to that thought we had that I mentioned just coming out of the break that Max is so focused and he's coming out of that mid-season break so determined he's going to walk away with this, I think. Every opportunity to stack points on, he's going to do it. Um, he, he's so determined. He's got no teammate help whatsoever, which we can talk about as well, which is just bizarre. And he's still just annihilating and single-handedly going to keep them in the constructors, I think, as well. Yeah, it's uh, – it's look, you're right. It's very interesting. Let's put it that way. Um, the other thing to note – well, let's just talk about Daniel because everyone else, look, Daniel. we can talk about them tomorrow. We can be fair and reasonable in our normal way tomorrow. Nope, yes. nope, nope. Campy, nope, nope, nope. what is now the qualifying statistic? Eight to what? Eight to six. Eight to, Eight to six. six. Two more away, Lando. We're bloody coming for you. And your stupid six. News Corp supporters. <laughs> Just uh, dumb. Look, everyone in Australia who either writes to news.com.au or any kind of News Corp or Fairfax paper. Shut up. Don't ever write about Formula One. You clearly have Please no idea what you're talking about. Just shut up and go away. Uh, and if you never doubted Daniel Ricciardo, put yourself in Campy's bin and set it on fire because there is just no, there is nothing in my mind than just how hard he has worked to get to this point. And now it is just going to be pushing above and beyond Campy. You said it last weekend. We're now going to see the rise of Daniel Ricciardo and push past Lando for the rest of the year potentially too. And I tell you what, Lando felt a bit salty about it. Even groundskeeper DeResta asking him specifically because not once in the post-sprint qualifiers I can't even talk about it. Sprint qualifying race. It's not a race, apparently. Chat thing that Sky did. Uh, he didn't mention Daniel at all. He mentioned the team, you know, the McLaren Instagram one team flex arm emoji. Paul actually said good journalism for a change. But what about Daniel? What do you think? And Lando was forced to say, yeah, he was performing really well all weekend and, and it's good that he's ahead. It's like, wow, did that hurt to say, mate? He even mentioned Carlos. He was like, yeah, here last year, Carlos and I did really well, blah, 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 blah. I didn't even mention Daniel. It, that's, it's still really annoying me that even when Daniel gets a result, Lando still can't bloody handle it. I don't know about it. We get to laugh at him next year when they come to Australia. <laughs> it's going to be a bit <laughs> like... It's going, to be a, it's going to be a bit like Seb Vettel in 2014 when Danny Rick like, qualified second or whatever it was in, uh, in Melbourne. And when Seb missed out on Q3, the whole crowd cheered. Even Christian Horner had a <laughs> smile on his face when it happened. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen in uh, the history of F1. But that's what it's going to be like for Lando when he comes to Australia next year. He's going to get booed because he's acted like a tit to our boy. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, look, the Brits can have – they had their weekend a couple of weeks ago. But, hey, we get our – we get our, hopefully get our weekend next year. Yeah. Yeah, especially Not with sure three Aussies will, on the grid next year in uh, Valtteri Bottas, Oscar Piastri, <laughs> Danny Ricciardo. <laughs> but yeah, no, Danny Rick. I, I still don't think he's there. 
Yeah. I still don't think he's where he wants to be. And even the way he talks in the media, he's saying the exact same thing. Yep. But he has turned a page and we're going to see consistent improvement yep. now uh, to what we've seen for the rest of the year. Uh, for those doubters, I'm with you, Jim. Kill yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that much. I said kill yourself in the bin. No, oh, apparently he's oh, with yeah. you, James. <laughs> oh, <no>, yeah. <laughs> <Let> me- <laughs> I am removing myself well, well away from that comment. No, uh, but that's that's he, the confident Daniel Ricciardo we want to see on that grid. He yeah. was so confident. That move was great. He reckons he was that close to getting past Max. Like he oh, was. Con- Max got the elbows yeah. out, didn't he? Oh. He was. He had a crack. Did you hear them talking afterwards on the? Uh, yes, this is very interesting. Yeah. He said that Max has won too many races. So if if he gets gets him off the start, Max said he'll just defend for him and he can have the win. <laughs> Which you love to see the banter between oh, those shit. two. They're legends. <laughs> But I think also, like, Max got the elbows out, but it was never in a way, like, Daniel no. could have continued to send it. Like, there yep. is there is a, yeah. such a bromance there still Big that time. I really love. And I think the older that Max gets, and obviously yep. he's he's settled down a hell of a lot since. And he's had how 18. many teammates since? Well, yeah, but I think he's realised the value of Daniel, but Daniel's also just a really lovely guy, right? Yep. And he can, as he said, he can get all honey badger in, in qualifying and get really angry in the last sector, and that's really what we want to see is him being able to flip that switch and go full send on it when he needs to. But that joy, and then that plus David A. Valchecki doing the interview going, Ed, Daniel, uh, and it just like this overwhelming Italian joy from the yeah. stands, from that oh. little where the microphone was to his yeah. random little medal that he had. Huge <laughs> smile made me so, like, just genuinely happy. I, I'm almost yeah. convinced yeah. it's the best thing to happen this year out of anything that's happened is just seeing the joy on his face. And we got to see a little bit of Michael Italiano standing next to Zach Brown on the uh, broadcast as well. I've it's like I'm here for a bit of more Michael Italiano uh, coverage on the broadcast because uh, that means Daniel's doing well, right? Yep. yep. Um, I'm here for it. Well, let's talk about McLaren as a whole then because ahead of the race tonight, uh, Daniel Ricciardo is on for a podium because two things. Uh, Monza is very difficult to pass at, which we've just said, not for necessarily for F2 or F3, but certainly for Formula 1 cars. Pretty much every yep. driver in their press conference after the sprint race said uh, passing was very difficult once we got into a rhythm. You know, uh, Valtteri and Max sent it and they went a lot faster than Daniel. But Lando really held up the uh, Mercedes of Lewis Hamilton very well, Campy, didn't he? So what is it? What can we do? Free tyre choice uh, tonight. The, the softs give an extra four metres on the start. So is position more important to begin with? And can they build a gap? Can Daniel Ricciardo potentially even win? This Grand Prix tonight. Oh, he can win the Grand Prix. Don't worry about that. I think uh, I think they've got to go not aggressive off the start. They've got to start on the mediums. They've got to because it gives them options later mm. on the race, depending how the race unfolds. You can still get the start on the mediums. It's not a problem. Just right? Don't He's do it. Just jump. It's just it's it's clear to me that if Matt if Danny Rick gets a start tonight, an all time start, he can make up those two positions into turn one. Luck goes his way. And he can just lead. He can drive that race from the front. If he starts on the softs, my my fear would be that they burn them out too yeah, quickly, and, yeah. and they fall for the undercut or the overcut, whichever way it goes. Mm. Uh, but I think McLaren need to do something as a team tonight 
I think we need to see Lando get into the podium positions as well. Yep. And they need a rear gunner. Whoever's in front, whether it be Daniel or Lando, I think it'll be Danny. I think he'll get into at least second off the start, if not first. Well, um, he is starting from second. Don't forget, VB's got a grid place penalty. Oh, he is too. Oh, Campy's oh, realisation. Oh, Campy's working Come on. Imagine just listening That's to anything I said about Daniel Ricciardo starting second, mate. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm hungover. I've got a body. Hey, Campy. Can I just talk to you for a second, just real quick? Yeah. Can you actually yeah. just read the notes before we start <laughs> recording, please? No, I'll just talk shit professionally. Okay. That's what All I right. do, James. Right. Sorry, Tommy T. Yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> but that's the side you yeah, want, so- isn't it? Like, to be honest, if you're going to put a charge on up the inside, that's this is the track to do it, 400 and something metres into turn one, the inside's not a bad place to be. Yeah, look, I agree. And Valtteri is, gonna, is also going to send it as hard as he can, but he's not as aggressive as Max or others, let's be honest. So he's more likely about? he's more likely to take get taken advantage of by Daniel. So if Daniel can plant it in the right place going into the first corner and get enough sort of traction coming out, and look, the medium tire can perform very well off the start too, because Pierre Gasly and Gasly was very, very, very unlucky and yeah. very, very lucky to not have punctured Daniel's tire. Can I just say? <laughs> yeah, I saw. Yeah. But very unlucky to to have that happen to him. But he was on the yellow stripe to medium, and he got a bloody good start. He was he was yep. following the McLaren through. So. It's all about the start. We know Daniel can be very good on the starts. It hasn't been totally great this year, but if he can do uh, the yeah, medium, good. send it up the the inside and just get the gap, even if he just holds on to Bottas. For sure. Um, I know there's about a... Uh, you keep saying an, Bottas. You mean Verstappen. You're talking about Verstappen, right? Uh, sorry. I meant Verstappen, <laughs> yes. Can hold on the bottom of Verstappen. Yeah. Uh, you just own, read the notes, Chip. My only, no, I can't. My only concern, my only concern <laughs> is that as Alonso said, uh, you can't really keep within two seconds of the car in front without suffering significant damage to tyres, not damage, but degradation and everything yep. else. So we've seen this year, Daniel's not been great at holding on to the car in front. So he either needs to get it done on Max early and yep. get past and go, or he just needs to be confident to hold that second position. And as you say, Lando needs to rear gun to hold exactly. up everyone else. Um, and look, you're right, not Bottas. I met Max. Max <laughs> is going to Max is going to be aggressive and Max is going to take it to him. Um, and ultimately, it's going to come down to strategy in that respect if yep. Daniel gets past Max in the first quarter. And McLaren are just looking for a double podium this time. They don't care if it's 1-3 or what. They're looking for double because whatever that is is better than just one of them in there. Um, so if, if Max happens to walk away with it, the other two can work together to get something. If they can snooker Max into making a decision and one can cover off though, that's the dream scenario. Yes. If say Daniel's in second close enough to cover off and just, just follow and then you can put Lando go long, who knows? That's We just need to have them both work together on like a team strategy for double podium. Well, Carl, Carl Lose came second here last year, so we know some genuine Carlos. players. Carlos. So. And we don't know what's going to happen. You know, there'll be a safety car. There could be a red flag. There could be Kevin yep. Magnussen parked in the pit lane again and, you know, the pit lane's closed and Lewis Hamilton can and Giovinazzi can pit and get penalties. Yep. Like there's so much that can happen, but we – Jeez, I love this sport. Oh, we just need, we just <laughs> need Daniel to be – because he has had such bad luck this year. Yep. He deserves a good weekend. Lando needs to play the team game. He, Lando can come slightly back into the fold if he plays a team game this weekend sure. with Daniel. 
But I'm calling Bottas driver of the day because his comeback is going to be elite from 19th or 20th where he starts. Watch him go for a two-stop and absolutely just annihilate people on track and just slot those spots. He'll be back into fifth or sixth, I reckon. I reckon it'll be unbelievable. Yeah. Here's a shame for Valtteri that's got a grid penalty. Yeah. Oh, real shame because put it on pole, controlled that race last night. Yeah. He had been starting in first. He, could, I could see him easily going off and getting a win. Yeah. And what a statement after he's just oh. been dropped by Mercedes to yes. come out and win. Yeah. But I've always said you can. He's capable of winning four out of the next ten races. Yeah. Yep. So it's a little too late, unfortunately. So Campy, do you think two stop or one stop tonight? Obviously, the tire is going to perform differently than it did yesterday because <laughs> it's going to be warmer. Track temperature is going to be warmer. So, uh, are we on for a two or a one? Oh, look, I didn't watch practice two. So did anyone? I no one did. Get a sense. <laughs> I didn't get. I didn't get a sense of what the uh, the long runs look like under full race load, uh, fuel loads. So uh, on history, I would say the top teams again. I think the Red Bull and Mercedes could do a two stop if they have track position. Whereas the midfield teams, it'll be a big gamble between the one-stop. There'll be teams that make the one-stop work and there'll be teams that make the two-stop work just depending on tyre degradation. So that says to me that McLaren will be looking at a one-stop and yep. Alpine will be looking for the two-stop. Yep. Um, I, th- I think people behind that. kind of from that fifth backwards is going to look for a really aggressive two-stop strategy. Why not? Yeah. Nothing to lose, especially with tyre choice. The beauty of starting up front is that you get that clean air to just – Yep. Yep. drive away up the road and get that 10 to 15 second lap in the first three to five laps um, just because you – know, well, And how many times have we air. seen Lando or Leclerc this year, kind of those two guys, in like fourth behind the three leaders just kind of with that gap just maintaining running their own race in clean air and then all of a yep. sudden something happens and they swoop in for a, a podium. So that's definitely on the cards for Daniel starting second, you would have thought. Yep. No, you're right. Yeah, it's going to be a good weekend for McLaren either way. Uh, as, as a whole, I think there's a lot to point to in terms of leaps and bounds made. Zach's obviously very happy. This is this is the best start they've had since Brazil 2012. It has been almost 10 years since they've had a second, third uh, starting position. Look, it's all to play for, lads. What can we expect in the race, do you think, Tommy T? Uh, what are your bold predictions? I've already done mine with uh, Bottas. I reckon that's a big one. I reckon mm. he's going to come from the back and he's going to get, I reckon, fifth or sixth, I'd, I'd be on there. And Hamilton's going to go super aggressive. Um, he's probably going to try a two-stop, I would have thought, as well, to try and clear some traffic because, again, you want free air. But I don't know. I, I, I'm, th- I'm thinking we're going for a McLaren double podium, which yep. would be incredible. I'm here for McLaren double podium, but, of course, Daniel first and Lando third <laughs> just to really <laughs> – <laughs> just to really make sure. And Valtteri second. He's going to have that good a run. That's a ripper race. Yeah, somehow. Um, you know, I'd prefer Lando not finish the race and Danny Rick get the win if I'm completely <laughs> Yeah, honest. but we need Zach to feel happy. Like, I'm doing yeah, it for oh Zach, no. you know. Think about and Zach. And we need them to get third in the constructors' To walk away we from do. Ferrari. But Ferrari, Ferrari useless this weekend. weekend. Yeah. Like, at the home, the Tafosa like, not even turning up. Oh, well, I think that's a good thing for Ferrari. They're not designing a car for one race of the year. Mm, yeah, that, you're right. A, it's a positive step. That's a, a big good change. omen for that organisation because whereas previously they would have gone, we have to win at Monza. We have to design our car around Monza in this racetrack because it's the best in the world. And we don't care about any other racetrack. If we win Monza, we've done our job right. That's it. So, 
What are your fantasy teams looking like, boys? Because mine is oh, a bloody ripper. I'm on 142 points already and we haven't even raced. You guys are in trouble. Don't, let's Tell not even bring it what? up, to be honest. But <laughs> good, good to bring up the fantasy league for other people. Uh, if you haven't yet joined our fantasy league, you can find the link in the description below. Uh, and we're not really, we don't really care about the points, uh, do we, Tommy well, T? And I'm only saying that because I'm If I bet Campy, I will. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> If, I bo- if we both be campy. Look, I can still do it, I reckon. Um, but we love the name changes. And certainly for the, the names from last weekend were very, very good. So make sure you get in there. We are keeping track of the best names of the year. Uh, Tommy T is going to design some probably some other misspelt merch of campyisms. Uh, and you can win yourself some Lakeside Drive campy merch at the end of the year. Uh, well, lads, look, here's to a Daniel Ricardo victory. Let's be honest. Uh, it's probably going to be a max victory, but let's say it anyway. Anything oh, fit. Danny Rick Podium. Lock it in. I, um, I called it too. We're seeing a shoey, lads. We're seeing a shoey. Yes. On that absolute bloody good sort of thought process, it's time to end. We'll chat to you tomorrow night, Monday night, Australian time, for our full race review. Enjoy the race. And if you want to watch along with us, join our Discord server. Links in the description below. Thanks, lads. Yeah, I'm good to go. I'm pretty knackered, so...